Good morning. Are you sure? Good morning. All right. My name is Troy. I am the campus pastor here at Sotelo. And if this is your first time, I want to say welcome. We are pumped and we're excited that you're with us. Uh, our pastor, Pastor T, is with a team in the Philippines, if you did not know. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with your screen. That is me, uh, in case you were wondering. And uh, so I want to do something real quick. I try to do this before I speak. Is I want to pray for you, but I want you to pray for me. Uh, for two reasons. One, I'm a human being and I'm flawed and I need all of God that I can to be able to share his message with you this morning. And so I want to pray for you because I want you to be uh, not only hearers of what's said here today, but doers of what is said here today, that you will take what is said and you will use it uh, in a way that will glorify God. And then also, I'm going to be praying for you if you're here and you do not know Jesus, that he speaks to you in a way that you cannot leave and you cannot avoid him, and then that he does something awesome to change your life. So uh, let's do that real quick. Pray for me, I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll get this thing started. Father God, uh, I just right now pray for those in this room. Uh, you know who they are, where they are, where they are in life. You know their thoughts. You know everything about them, God. You created them. You know the number of hairs that are on their head. And we're grateful that you're our creator and that you're our God. And Father, I pray uh, for each person here uh, that when your scripture is read, God, that you will speak truth into them, that it is your very breath that they're hearing. Uh, Father, I pray... Uh, for our time together, uh, that you will reveal yourself to us in a real way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you may have seen in our opening thing that we're talking about kind of like running a race. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a race? Anybody? I want to tell you about the most epic race that you've never heard of. You've never heard of this. And you want to know why? Because I was in third grade. And we had a fair at Dorsey School where I went to school. And it was time for me to race. And, and, and it was like uh, they had the little gun. They had ribbons they were giving away. I was so excited to be in this race. And my opponent that I was racing was the fastest guy to ever step on the Dorsey School grounds. It was rumored he could outrun Ferraris in third grade. It was rumored that he once outran a principal. It was rumored that he could beat up grown men. He was the baddest guy. His name was Chad Allen Shumpert, and he was the fastest little dude. How many of you played kickball in third grade? You know, he was one of those, like, he could kick the ball so hard and be at home plate before they even got to the ball. That's how fast Chad was. Now, I want to give you a little bit about what I was like in third grade. I probably weighed two pounds. I know you don't, I know you don't believe it, but really... I probably weighed, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 pounds, something like that, soaking wet. And I line up to race. A cool summer breeze probably would have slowed me down. Now, probably about a level two hurricane may move me. There you go. Y'all catch on here in a minute. If you're new to me, I don't take everything I say with a grain of salt unless it's in the scripture. All right. So anyway, we get ready to race and we get down and I'm ready. I'm telling you, I've never been so ready to run in my life. And I look over at my opponent, and I was like, I, I've got this sucker. I've got him dead to rights. And then the little cap gun goes off, and I take off with all I have. I'm telling you, I'm, I feel like I'm Carl Lewis. I'm, I'm, I got the rundown. I'm everything. I mean, I've, I've never run that fast in my life. 
I mean, the wind was going so hard. That's the reason I got hair loss now. I was moving that fast. And then I get to the end, and everybody's like, ah, and they're coming around me. You won. You beat Chad, the fastest guy in our school. Because Chad had tripped when the gun went off. I don't care. I don't know if you know this or not. I still beat the fastest guy in my school. I don't, at this point, I don't care. And so when we look at our life and we look at faith and we look at sharing the gospel, what we see is we see the gospel, sharing the gospel with people. It's a race. It's a race that we run. It's an important race. There's a reason that we run it because in this race of, of sharing the gospel with other people, uh, it is something that we need to do with intensity. It is something that we need to do, and we need to train for and be ready for, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but we're going to start in verse 19. And, and all of chapter 9 is basically about Paul giving up all his rights of who he is. Paul is giving up everything about who he is. He's, he's giving it all up so that he can better share the gospel. And so that's what he's telling us here what we're fixing to read. And so you guys read along with me. And uh, verse 19 says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. I want to stop there. So Paul's basically saying that those who were in the law and those who were Jewish, that he would become those things of those people so that he could share with them. And then those outside the law, he would shift to be able to share with those outside the law. But my favorite part in all that is when he said, I became weak to the weak. And what that is, is those who were weak may not have had an understanding uh, they may not have been the educated that where a lot of these uh, Pharisees and people came from, that they may not have been as educated, and so he became weak to those. In other words, he didn't speak over their head. In other words, he spoke human. You know, sometimes as preachers, we get so caught up on using big, fancy words that it just, hey, they go over my head. And I catch myself sometimes looking them up like, what does that even mean? When I was preparing for this, I was looking through a commentary, and I found a word, and I thought, I guess I should know this, but I don't. And so sometimes we have to be able to be weak to the weak so that we may save some, that there may be some that come to the understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is. And so he compares his kind of his journey, his travel, he compares it to a race at the end of this chapter. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I dis discipline my body 
and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so in this race, uh, in, during this time Paul's writing, there were the, the Olympics were a thing, uh, and there is some other, uh, some other race. It was like it was almost as big as the Olympics, but it was kind of second to that. But I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. But the Olympics were the thing, and so he, he knew about racing, so he could use that as an illustration to what he was trying to say as in sharing the gospel that we run this race, and when we run it, we win something. Now, the world, you win this reef, this, the plants and things in it are going to die and it's going to wither, or like some of the trophies that we win in life will end up being tarnished and, or thrown away or in yard sales. But what we who are running to share the gospel, what we win is something that is eternal. It is something uh, that will never wither. It's something that will never die. It was something that will stay with us. And so... When we share the gospel of Christ. And so Paul even says, and if you go back again where he says in verse 25, says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. And so he says he doesn't just run around aimlessly trying to figure out what to do. He's not just swinging at nothing in the air. He, he wants to be focused in what he's doing. How many, any of y'all ever been in a fight? All right, I've probably been probably three, four fights in my life. Most of them were with my brother. We had this rule like we couldn't hit each other in the face. And so that was our rule when we'd fight. We'd just punch each other in the arm and the chest. It's stupid now to think about it, but I should have hit him in the face now, now that I think about it more. But I was in a fight in third grade. I don't know what it was about third grade. I won a race and I was in a fight. Like everything, and I got a scar to show. I really don't have a scar. I got a tattoo in second grade. Um, Me and a guy had an altercation in third grade. It may have been fourth grade. Uh, His name was Vincent. And he was mad. And he came out of the gate swinging. He swung, I mean, he was, and I just kept stepping back. And like his fist was like right in front of my nose. Other one right in front of my nose. Honestly, he'd have hit me, he'd have probably killed me. And I just kept backing up till he got tired. And he, I mean, he was swinging everywhere. Like fists were flying by my head. For a minute, I thought I was like in the Matrix, like in slow motion. I'm like, what's happening here? What's this guy doing? And he just was swinging, but he never hit me one time. And then he got winded, and guess what happened? Guess what I did? I said, You done? And that was it. That was the end of our fight. I don't even know if you can call it a fight. Maybe it was like a boxing exhibition for him, but he never even touched me. But, but if, if he would have really... But you know what I noticed about him while he was fighting? Guess what? His eyes were closed. I don't know if you know this. Have you ever tried to hit something with your eyes closed? When you go home today, get in your car, put it in drive, close your eyes, and go home. You're not going to be very successful. So this guy's eyes were closed, and it showed me he didn't keep his eyes where they needed to be because he didn't have the focus. He didn't have this intensity that he needed. And so he was beating the air. And so Paul says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so Paul knows that what he's doing is so important that he has to stay focused. He has to be diligent in what he's doing because if he loses control, he could be disqualified from what he's doing. 
So Paul has to continually be ready at all times. Now here's the scary thing about sharing the gospel. And what I'm going to tell you is not a very popular thing, but this is the scary thing about being a person who shares the gospel. You are not going to be popular. You are going to be hated. You are going to be disliked. You are going to be talked about. You are going to be called a goody two-shoe. You are going to be called things because you're trying to do the right thing. And listen to me, that's the way the world wants it, is the world hates you. Now here's the reason why. This world, Satan has been given dominion over. So this is his domain. And if you go into someone else's domain and you start trying to mess up the things that they're trying to do, what happens is you tick off the person who you're changing things from. And so you're going to be disliked. The world is not going to like you. And so when you share the gospel, it's unpopular. Me and a friend, we were in Savannah, Georgia. And there was this French couple. And we were sharing the gospel with them. We're on a mission trip. And so this French couple, they kind of come up, they kind of somewhat speak English, but not really. And so my friend is like, uh, he was from Pontotoc, and he's like, hey, not that all people from Pontotoc, I'm from Dorsey, like him. He's like, hey, uh, y'all want us, we'll buy you something to eat. I'm not lying. And, and so these people were backpackers. What they did is they, they just traveled. They didn't have a home. They just traveled around. And so they didn't know where their meals were coming from. So we went and bought them a meal. So we go to this nice restaurant. We're sitting down. The, the French lady holding her baby. The French man sitting right here. Me and two rednecks, one from Dorsey and one from Pontotoc, on the other side of the table. And we're having this conversation. And, and we're talking about life a little bit. And then my friend goes, hey. And he picks a knife up off the table. He says, if I were to take this knife right here and kill you, and I'm looking over at him, I was like, this just got ugly quick. The lady next to me, she's like pulling her baby all in close, and the French guy's going, oh, no, 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 him. He's like, he thinks, like, we're fixing to die. This guy's going to kill us in this restaurant. He goes, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And then the guy went, oh, oh, no, no, no. We believe how you say, uh, uh, Mother Nature, Earth, Wind, you know, he just believed in, in being, you know, just part of the Earth. And, and so, we, in a very sketchy way, we shared the gospel with these people. And I, I don't know what happened to them after they left. I guarantee they didn't take another free meal for a while. And so, this, this story, and I go, man, but, you know, that seems like a loss, but it's not. The next thing we do is he and I are walking and we see a guy on crutches and he's missing a leg. And he's got a bag full of stuff. He smells horrible. I mean, he, I mean, he stinks, but we start talking to him. And this guy becomes broken and he starts weeping as my friend is sharing the gospel with him. And he, he falls to the ground crying and talking about how he needs a savior. And so I remember in that moment, the smell of this guy was gone. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't smell him. And, man, we hugged him up, and, man, we celebrated with this decision he made in his life. And I go, man, this is, this is sharing the gospel. First time I've ever been a part of leading someone to the Lord in my life. And I'm so pumped. And so we were like eight blocks away from the church we were staying at, and, and my buddy wanted to get him a Bible. 
So I ran like all the way there and all the way back to give this guy a Bible. And I go, man, that's a, that's a picture of sharing the gospel. But look, the world doesn't like that. Because guess what? He's probably going to come in contact with people when he tries to tell his story. They're going to tell him he's, he's crazy. You believe in a fairy tale. Or he's going to have a conviction about something that somebody in his family or somebody he knows has, and, and they're going to they're uh, talk him down and talk bad about him because of the decision he made. We're in New Orleans, and, and my cousin and I were handing out tracts on another mission trip, and we're at this table, and my cousin's handing tracts. Everybody walks by, and we're handing, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. We're handing these tracts, hoping they'll stop and have a conversation. This couple walks by. It's two men. They're holding hands, and they walk by. My cousin just hands them a tract and says, hey, Jesus loves you. Both men turn, and they spit on my cousin because he's hated because of the message that he stands for. Because of what he believes, he's hated by people. I don't know if you know this or not, we are going to be hated. So if you're in this for popularity, you're in the wrong thing. Because that's not what the world has in store for us. In John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, it says this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. These are the writings of Jesus. He said, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as, it, as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I want you to listen to this part I just read. It says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And so that's what's happening in our Christian faith. Is it's, you know, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm okay with this. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really believe everything in the Bible. My father-in-law had an awesome saying. He's like, well, if you don't believe that, just tear, just tear that page out of the Bible if you don't believe it. We'll just tear that out and make it what we want it to be. And so, so what we see here and what we have is, is, is you're going to be hated, but if you're not doing anything, you're doing exactly what the world wants. And so if you're not doing anything to share the gospel, if you're not doing anything to stand on truth, if you're not doing anything in your life, what happens is, is you just... You're, you're just like them, and so nothing changes. Why would Satan do anything to change when you're doing exactly what he wants you to do? And so our job is to come into this world and mess things up. I had an aunt who was kind of OCD, and so we would go into her, in her kitchen, and we would just rearrange all the stuff on her refrigerator. It drove her nuts. She just made her mad, and so she would come in and try to get everything fixed up. That's what I want to do. I want to mess up Satan's refrigerator. I want to move stuff around. I want, to, I want to mix stuff up. I want him to be so angry at me. I, I want him to attack me. I want my life to be under attack because here's the thing. If this world hates me, I know that I'm doing something right. They hated Jesus, and we're going to be unpopular. So when we're running our race, we have each other to cheer each other on. We have each other as believers in Christ to encourage and say, way to go, keep running, as the world hates us. But, but I've, I've got four things that I want to share with you that I think will help us in our race. I think, I think four things that I think as we run this race of sharing the gospel, what we're going to see is, is, is these four things will help us. And you know what the first is? Salvation. 
So if you don't have Christ, you're not in this race. And so if you're here and you need Jesus, you need to be listening to God and and listen to him tap on your heart and and listen to the words that are read from his because these very words are his breath. And so as these things are read, you need to listen to those because that's God speaking to you. One thing I've learned in all the years that I've been doing this, I've never saved a single person. Only God saves. And so you need to be listening. And so salvation is the number one step to starting our race. The second is runners do the hard work. Runners work hard at getting good at running. One of my favorite stories is is the preacher was was running half marathon. And so I was like, well, I want to start running a little bit. So um, I started out running with him, and I didn't realize he was running 16 miles a day, and I could barely run one. And so what we, he would leave like at 4 in the morning, and, and then I, he would kind of give me a time when he's going to be at this certain spot so I could meet him like at 6. And so he would run like this half thing, and then I would finish up like the run with him the rest of the way out. And, and so I started running every day with the preacher. And, and listen, some of y'all need stuff if you don't cell phones. Y'all go run over somebody. All right, that's a side note. I almost died like five or six times running with him. But as I started running, and I noticed something. Like, my lungs got better. I felt better. Um, I, I, could, I could go further distances. I was starting to lose a little weight. Note to self, start running again. Right. I was starting to lose a little weight. I mean, I, I was starting to feel better. And so that, that one mile became easy. And then two miles became easy. And I got where I was running three miles a day with him. And that was awesome. I got where I could kind of run half walk six miles. And and so I felt myself getting stronger. And so runners do the hard work. And if we do these things and we work at these things, and as we get better in this hard work, what happens is we see a difference in, in sharing the gospel because we're getting stronger. But this is what our strength comes from. Our strength comes from 1 Timothy um, 6. Chapter 4, 6 through 10, it says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. We're trained in his word. This is where our training comes from. This is where, where we know why we're doing what we're doing and that the world will hate us and... Everything that we need to know in our life comes from this book as believers. And it should be what we live out. Throw your self-help books in the garbage. Throw all these things you can do in your life and focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ and sharing it with people. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. So we get trained in his words and in our doctrine that you have followed. It says, having nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent, Silly myths, rather train yourselves for godliness. For your whole body training is some value. So if you're not really having to work out, it says it's some value. Didn't say it was fully important. Um, For a while, bodily training is some value. Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Did you hear that? When we look to godliness... When we train in godliness, when we do these things, it's not only in the present, but it's also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set 
on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And so, runners, we do the hard work. We get in God's Word, and we're trained in God's Word. We're trained in doing what God has for us. And then in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, All Scripture, and I want you to pay attention to this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so what we see here is God's Word, it, it corrects us. God's Word puts us on the right path. So if you're in sin, if you're in these things, if you're in God's Word, He's going to point that out to you. The Holy Spirit is going to convict you of that sin if you're a believer. And so when we read these words, it, it, it's, it's for our good. It's profitable. It's for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And so as we train and we get better and we get better and we're in his word, we're in his word. This is something I've, I've always believed. The more that you're in God's word, it's a lot easier for you to share God with people. The more that you are in God's word and studying God's word, it's a lot easier for you to talk about God. Example, if you follow any type of football team and you've watched enough ESPN and you've read enough articles, when you get in a group of people, it is super easy to start talking about sports. Am I right, guys? Ladies? Sports fans? Ladies? I'm not going to leave y'all out. It's easy, because it's just a simple conversation, because it's something you're always watching. It's something you're always doing, so the conversation becomes easy. So if it just makes sense to me that if you're in God's Word, and you're growing, and you're reading, and you're training, and you're doing these things, when simple conversations come up, you being able to talk about your faith becomes easy, because you're trained in it. You know it. You're ready for it. Because it says that... The man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work so that you're ready when God puts the situation in front of you for someone to come to faith in Christ. And so I, I, I love that, that God's word is putting in the hard work. Hebrews 5, 11, 14. Y'all stay with me. I, I know we've got a good bit of scripture here, but uh, 5, 11 through 14, it says... About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. The word dull actually in the Bible can mean, actually means sluggish. Have you ever tried to run a race and been sluggish? You know, not feeling like getting up and going, you know, and, and so you become sluggish? He said, you become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. There are some of you who have been going to church your whole life. At some point in time, it's time for you to step up and be proactive and not just sit there and just take and take and then go home and do nothing with it. I, I know that sounds harsh, but I want you to hear me. We, we need to hear this. It's more than just hearing it, taking it in, and going home and doing nothing with it because that's not what we're called to do. And so some of us, we have to relearn the basic things, and we've been coming to church our whole lives. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. 
And so as you train and as you get ready and as you share the gospel, what you're going to learn is you're going to be able to discern what is good and what is evil. And here's the thing, when you're more in God's word, when you hear certain things, watch certain things, or get ready to say something about someone, what happens is there becomes a check in your spirit because you're starting to discern the difference between what is the right thing to say, the wrong thing to say, what is good to do, what is bad to do, and, and what is sin, what is not sin, you begin to discern in those matters in your life. And that's what happens through training. And when you do that, it makes sharing the gospel that much easier. Because you know the difference. And so, in order to do that, you have to train, you have to work hard, you have to get stronger, you have to get better. And if you're not doing that, then what, exactly what happens is the opposite. You get weaker. And somebody's got to keep spoon-feeding you. And somebody's got to keep giving you a bottle. And you're going to die and leave this earth and you've accomplished nothing other than sit and listening. You can have all the knowledge in the world of what God wants you to do and live this life and die and you've done nothing. And I say it out of love. I don't say it out of, out of hate for you. I don't say it out of... I say it because the Bible says that we should use the Scripture for correction. And so there's some of us in our lives that we've got to say, you know what? I've got to step up. I've got to start doing something. I've got to share the gospel with my neighbor. I know some people are like, well, I can't leave the country. Or I can't do this. You can get out of your chair and you can walk next door to your neighbor that you don't know, introduce yourself to them, get to know them, and over time, share the gospel with them. But you have to get up. I'm amazed. I've got friends that live off and they live, he was telling me he lives in this big subdivision. It's a huge subdivision. I said, do you know your neighbors? He said, I don't know a single soul. It's like you live in a subdivision, you got neighbors all around you, and you don't know a soul. Now, where I live, all of my neighbors are kinfolk. My brother's got a rent house, and he's fixing to rent it. These folks aren't from around here. I'm excited about it. Finally, somebody I can get to know. And I'm going to pester that guy until he puts a gun in my face, and then I'll be done. But hey, I'm, we're just going to, this family's moving in. We're, we're going to love on this family. He moved, I don't think he realized who he moved in next to. But we want to love on them so that we may share the gospel with them. If, if they don't know the gospel, if they do know the gospel, then I've built a relationship with a brother and sister in Christ that I can grow with that's my neighbor. And so it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to put forth an effort of what God has asked us to do because it's serious. The third thing is runners stay in their lane. I always get tricked up on the running, like when you see the race, it looks like this whole group's in front of this group, and you're like, there's no way these guys can win, but I think it's the way the track's made. They all end up on even ground at the very end of it. And, and when I was a kid, I'd go, there's no way those guys are going to catch that guy. How are they doing that? And they always end up right side by side each other. Have you ever seen somebody like get out of their lane and trip somebody up and knock somebody over? And so, and they get entangled in things. And so what happens is, is they, they either fall down or they slow the other runner up or they slow themselves up because they get in their own way. And so we need to stay in our lane. Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so when we look at this, it says lay, lay aside all things and weight. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but 
Uh, in the Olympics way back when, did you know that a lot of people like literally ran like almost nude? That's weird to hear, but that's because they wanted to the, be able to have nothing to stay in their way when they run. And block that out of your mind right now. Let's move on. People will shave just a minute amount of hair on their arms, their legs, and their head, and they, the clothing that they make now for racing is supposed to be so aerodynamic because they don't want anything slowing them up or getting in their way in their race and their running. And so in our life, the sin that is in our life, what happens is we get entangled with sin and we get out of our lane, and it could be anything. Listen, I can sit here and name sins to the cows come home, but if you're growing in God's word, you're going to be able to discern the sin that is in your life because the, God's word will correct you. God's word will speak to you in the midst of your sin as long as you're in it and you're reading it, and it's going to help you discern those things. And so it helps you to run a better race. So they don't want these things to hinder them. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says they're looking to Jesus. And so when you're running, you need to be looking where you're going. You need to be paying attention. So as believers in Christ, we should keep our eyes on Christ. And as we're running and as we're getting to where we need to be and sharing our faith, what happens is as long as we're keeping our eyes on Christ, we're going to stay in the lane that we're supposed to be in. We're going to stay in that lane and, and not get entangled in these things and sin in our life. The third and last thing is runners get back up. Runners get back up. When you get entangled and you fall and you hit the ground, you get back up. I didn't share this in the first service, so I'll let you know on this one. Uh, Chad, when he fell in that race, we raced again. Because he got back up. And you know what happened? Did I beat him? Before I took three steps, he was almost at the finish line. He could have stopped running. He could have been, I just got embarrassed by one of the slowest kids in our school. He, he could have stopped, but he didn't. He got back up and he kept running. And so when we fall and we get entangled in the sin in our life and it messes us up, you get back up and you keep running. And this is why we keep running. In John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Did you hear that last part? He says, I have overcome the world. Take heart. And so when we fall, and when we worry about the tribulations, because listen, it says only in Christ. Did you hear that part? It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So only through Christ will we have peace. Only through Christ will we have comfort. Only through Christ will he be able to uh, help us where we are. And it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what lot you've been given in life. It doesn't matter uh, if you're uh, uh, hurting. It doesn't matter. God can use you where you're at and God can comfort you no matter what you're going through in life. But here's the thing. He offers peace. And what does the world offer? It offers tribulation. It offers hurt. It offers pain. And so it's only through Jesus that we find peace. 
And so when we're running our race and you fall, listen to me. It may be your finances. It may, we can name a million different things in here. It, it, could, it could be the fact that you're going through a divorce. It could be the fact that uh, you're losing your home. It could be the fact uh, that, that you've just got people who are hating on you and all these things in your life and all this, you may be death, sickness. It doesn't matter about those things because here's the thing, those things are going to happen in this world and it's only through Jesus that we find comfort from it even while you're in the midst of it. Well, I mean, I just want to start living for God because I want my checking account to get full. Or I want to start living for God because I just want things to be better. Did you ever think that God may have you where you're at because he needs you where you're at? God may have you in the place that you live because he needs you in the place that you live. And if you get in his word and start sharing the gospel with people where you're at, instead of worrying about where you want to be, we worry so much. This is our life right here. This is our life on earth, and this is what we worry about every day. How am I going to pay this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to be liked? I want, to be, I want this car. I want this house. And we worry so much about this part of our life that we forget that there's this massive amount of eternity past our life that we need to focus on and worry about. And so I, I just want to tell you, take heart. I love what he says at the end. He says, I have overcome the world. In other words, we won. You're running a race that's already been won. Still run it with intensity. Still share the gospel. Take heart when you mess up. Get up. Keep going. But I want to talk to you about the urgency of our race. Because our lifespan is only this. We should be working with all our might, resources, and power, and everything that we are to share the gospel. Because this is all we have. This is the amount of time we have right here. And it could end in the blink of an eye. I have a friend who's a, um, he was a missionary in India for about four years. And he trained pastors. And one of the things that he trained them in was every second an Indian dies and goes to hell in India. It may be one every minute here. One every five minutes. Family members. Friends. Co-workers. We don't have time to come and sit and be selfish because we want this and we want that now 
or I, I want to have a better this, I want to have a better life now. God didn't call us to live a better life. God called us to live a gospel-sharing life. And it doesn't matter where you come from, your background, or anything about you. All that matters is sharing the gospel of Christ. And I want to encourage you. I want to, I just, sometimes I just want to, I wish you could just shake a whole room. But I just, like, we don't have a lot of time left. We, we, we don't know when our next breath is going to leave us. We, we, we don't know when we could be gone from this planet in the blink of an eye. And so uh, we're going to have loved ones that are going to die around us. And so my, my question is, like, I want to share the gospel. I want to I tell people about Christ. And we can, and there's so many ways that we can do that. Share Christ on Facebook. Tell your friends. Post stuff about Jesus. People are going to hate you. So what? Be hated. Because if we're hated for sharing the gospel of Christ, we know we're doing what God wants us to do. And so my charge to you is this. Make this world hate you. Now, don't hear me wrong. This isn't being a jerk. This isn't being pompous on Facebook. This isn't, uh, it has to be in love. But what I mean by that, if we're doing what we're supposed to do, the world is going to hate you whether you come in love or not. So come in love, but they're still going to hate you. But be hated by this world. This is not our home. This is not our end goal. Is this, is this place. It's not. It's to be with Christ in heaven. And so I want to encourage you. Let's share the gospel of Christ. He's already one. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never invited Christ into your heart. I don't want to give you a prayer that you will just repeat as, as like a, a, some kind of spell or something that you say and you automatically become saved. Cause, and, and listen, we don't, we don't want that as part of this. But like Pastor T and myself, what we do is we give you an example of something that you can pray. But, but don't just repeat what I'm saying to, to repeat. You just need to have an earnest, real conversation with Jesus. It's just like talking to anybody else. You can go to him and say, God, I know I am a sinner. I am worthless. I need you. You're the only person that can take me out of what I'm in. And saying, I need you to come into my life and I need you to save me. I need you to change me. I follow you. Wherever you lead me, wherever you want me to go, I will go with you. I don't know if you look, when you read things in the Bible, when people came in an encounter with Jesus, it was life-altering. It wasn't just like they checked a box on a card and put it in a thing and then walked away. It was life-altering. It changed everything, that who they are, and everything about who they were. When I was 18 and, and, and when I knew God was calling me, it, there was no doubt or question that I was willing to say, God, whatever you want, I will do it. And when we're able to surrender in such a way, because Paul, 
We were reading earlier and he was talking about all the things he wanted to become to lead those to the Lord. That whole chapter is just about him giving up who he is. And listen, when you ask Christ into your heart, I want you to focus with me. When you ask Christ into your heart, you automatically become an enemy of the world. And you are automatically under attack. The Bible teaches us we should put on the armor of God to protect ourselves from the fiery darts of the devil that is coming our way because you're an enemy. And our only protection and the only thing that we have is his word. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you prayed or God is talking to you about you know that the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you need to ask Christ in your heart I want you to do me a favor. Don't check a box uh, Put your name and information, and I want you to come and find me and give it to me. Give it to Michael, uh, uh, another one of our pastors here. Wesley, our student pastor you saw earlier. Find us and give us this card and tell us your decision and that God was speaking to you. Because listen, leaving and forgetting it and not saying anything about it, men in the Bible who followed Jesus didn't do that. They left everything to who they were to follow him and go after him. And so I want to encourage you, if Christ is talking to you today, give it up, let it go, and give up everything that you are and follow him. Follow him. For those of you who are here this morning, and you've been stumbling your way through a race, and it seems like you're falling more than you're running, get back up and keep running. Get back up and keep running. Get back up and keep running. Don't stop. Father God, I pray for those here that need you. I pray that they will seek you and follow you and give up all that they are. God, for those that are following, give them the strength and courage to get back up. Help us to encourage them. Help us to run along with them. God, as we run this race to share the gospel. Father, I pray for our team that is in the Philippines that is doing the exact thing that we're talking about today of sharing the gospel. Father, I pray that you will just be with these people here today, God, that you will speak to their hearts and allow them to take what's said here and use it and apply it in their day-to-day lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you to stand. I want you to do me a favor. If you're a follower in Christ, I want you to sing ugly. And what that means is sing like nobody's listening to you but God you can't carry a tune in the bucket sing as loud as you can because here's the thing we're singing to the creator of the heavens the stars the sun, the skies the creator of everything the creator who knows how many hairs are on your head that loves you no matter where you're at sing ugly, sing loud because it's beautiful to him Father God, I pray as we sing that you will be lifted up, that you will find glory, 
And we are so grateful that you give us the freedoms and the things that we have to worship together and to sing. In Jesus' name, amen.